Hey there, this is Ed Townend, and you're listening to the Erratic Control Podcast. This podcast is with Maddie Jones, and we discussed quite a lot. We ended up talking for the longest amount of time, I think, so far. I did cut a lot of it down, like with the Mike Dennis podcast, but we still touched on some interesting subjects about um, gender politics and musicals and Jeff Buckley and a lot more. Um, we also attempted to record a session on the same day that we did the interview, but again, like with Rob, Maddie's voice wasn't feeling amazing. Uh, so I rescheduled for last week, in fact, uh, last Thursday, and we recorded a great live recording of I Don't Give a Damn, which you can hear at the end of the podcast. Before that, here's uh, my interview with Maddie Jones. So I'm talking to Maddie Jones. Uh, this is the fourth podcast I've recorded so far. Number four. Also the first female of the species to be yes. interviewed. Yes. Yeah, you got in there. I'm deadlier than all the males. Yeah. I had I was having a conversation with um, someone recently. I was like show I was like talking to them about the podcast and I talked to talked about who and they were like, Are you gonna get some women on it? I was like, Yes. <laughs> of course I am. Like oh, They are like half the population. Yeah, pretty much. Strangely enough. <laughs> I re- I read this article recently about like the percentage of women who are sound engineers and stuff like that and yeah, that's still pretty low, right? Like, I know a few, but it's, like, less, like, one hand. Less than one hand. I think, yeah, I think it's the same for me. I've met a few, like, on tour, but, like, personally, I know probably less, yeah. less than, like less than five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame, and I think it also comes down to the fact that it is a male-dominated thing. It's male-dominated, and I think it's... <laughs> I'm going to speak on behalf of my whole gender... Yeah. No, this is just my opinion. I think there are some instruments and some like musical things that just sort of appeal more to men. Like I've never seen a woman with a modular synth. I think I have. I've never seen a woman anywhere near one. I'm the closest to it that I've ever seen a woman be. Okay. Physically, I'm, I'm like less than a meter away. I've seen a band called Cold Cave. <laughs> I think they had they yeah I think they had the modulars. You know, we can talk about that later when we get to it. But what I tend to do with these with these is start at the earliest point and then work our way kind of through a history. Start at the beginning, like yeah. the Andrews. <laughs> Sound of music reference. Oh, okay. That's really bad that I didn't get that. It's pro- not, not... Sorry, you don't, you don't have to be into camp musicals. I am into camp musicals. But, but I am, though. But I am. I no, am. like, not, yeah, not the campus that I camp, but, like, I, I like my musicals, like West Side yeah. Story. And, uh, Cabaret is another one of my favourites. I always get a song from West Side Story stuck in my head. Which one is it? Probably Tonight. Tonight, tonight. Just whenever someone says the word tonight, and then yeah. your head just starts singing that song. There's a documentary on um, West Side Story recently on the BBC. They were like getting people to like re- redo it, and yeah. they were all so stage school, and it was like really overdoing it. And it's like the whole I like point... it when they, they tone down the yeah, like, when it's subtle, musicals and it's, vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's like God, don't. It's way better. If I went to see West Side Story in in a theatre and it was like that, yeah. I'd oh, I don't know. Like, Should make you a little bit sick in your mouth. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and that's like the th- I think that's the thing with musicals is like the more subtle ones are more appealing to me. That's why I love um, Sondheim. He's my favorite. Who actually wrote the uh, lyrics for West Side Story? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like that's kind of more. He's a cool guy. Yeah, and it's like not Tim Rice and fucking Lloyd Webber. And yeah, I mean, really my, there's nothing wrong deal. with them, but but at the same time, there's so much wrong with them. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> everything. I'm glad they still exist, though. I still, I'm glad that still people enjoy them, especially like with stuff like Wicked and Hamilton recently. I think I haven't seen that. Which 
either. Wicked. Wicked, yeah. Yeah, when I was in school, there were a couple of my friends that were like overly into it. You know, when somebody's so into it that it makes you just go, I am never going to listen to it in my whole life. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about Hamilton. And I know know personally a couple of people who will be very annoyed at me if I say (laughs) that. But the thing about like Hamilton is... I have tried to get into it, and it's 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 one of those things that kind of makes me cringe a little bit. But yeah. so many people, I'm kind of I enjoy. I think it's amazing. So maybe I should at some point get into it. Give it a chance. Give, Give it Hamilton a chance. a chance. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. I haven't even heard of Hamilton. Oh, okay, that's yeah. interesting. It's uh, it's. A I haven't been getting the uh, daily musicals newspaper. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like this phenomenon that's happened. It's um, this guy called. Oh, let me get his name wrong. Something, oh my god, Manuel Miranda. That's so bad. I read it all the time because, like, he's getting really popular. He did uh, Moana recently, and like, Moana is my sister's favorite Disney. Is it my elder sister? Like, she's 30. Yeah, my daughter (laughs) wanted to leave after 10 minutes. Really? Because she found it too scary. Is she racist? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, your face. I don't, yeah, like, I was thinking, is she? Is she? I have never asked. No, I, don't, I think she's. I, I'm pretty sure she's all right. I don't think it's as good as like the triumvirate of Lion King, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast. I say that, but there are other good ones like Hercules. There's a lot of good Disney. I mean, because she loves Frozen. I mean, it she... sounds like that. I like write musicals now, which I well, but you do, and that's. I, think I that's, actually. <laughs> I think that's like that's why I wasn't I like steering have. steering I us have. away from this conversation was because I. It's quite interesting to talk about. But yeah, you the know, one the that I've written is very much not like Disney. Well, obviously, <laughs> but it's like mainstream musicals. They're not the only types of musicals. And like you've got stuff that's a bit more risque and a bit more... If you threw Disney into a chasm of darkness and yeah. took away everything light I mean, because like, like I said, like Cabaret is really dark and like... Mm. I love Cabaret. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cabaret's Anna great. Cumming. Yeah. Just, I could talk for hours about how <sighs> good his performances are. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like loads of stuff like that. Um you can't have darkness. Rocky have, Horror. Yeah. That's dark. That's pretty dark. <laughs> I think I watched that when I was a little bit too young. I think I may have been fourteen <laughs> or fifteen, like, and I watched what? it in a in a cottage in France because it was in the it was this weird kind of cottage where you you stayed for like a couple of weeks, and they they still got all their like video collection in there and stuff. Yeah. And I it was just that was the one. And the other one I watched actually, which is also related to you, is um the Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars concert. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like pretty good, pretty good uh, selection, yeah. Yeah. So both of those are quite formative experiences for me. I don't remember ever watching anything in a holiday cottage. I don't remember there being anything there. The holiday cottages I went to are quite middle class. (laughs) It's quite. Yeah. Moving on quite swiftly, um, the first question I ask on these is, "What's your earliest musical memory?" Ooh, I remember my granddad. Playing the piano, he used to play like um, ragtime piano. So he would play the entertainer all the time. I think we probably like made him play it over and over again, <laughs> probably to the point at which he was sick of it. But yeah, we would make him play it. That's usually how kids get into music. Is yeah, just like force someone to play something over and over again. And also, my dad always played guitar, and he would just do this thing like you'd go and try and talk to him while he was playing guitar, and he would just look at you and just carry on playing. You'd go, Dad, Dad, Dad. Dad! He was just playing the guitar and just staring at you and he wouldn't speak until he'd finished. He was like, mm. <laughs> are you ignoring me, Daddy? <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. quite direct. I mean, it's been interesting to hear people's answers and a lot of it is related to 
parents um, and grandparents and yeah. things like that. And, you know, that's where we get our first kind of things mm. from. Um, I, 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 learned, I started learning piano quite early as well. I think I was probably like six, maybe. And my piano teacher used to have a corgi that would try and sit next to you on the piano stool. I find it quite interesting to talk about learning um, an instrument at a young age like that because mm. I was talking to Mike Dennis about the fact that he learned violin from nine, I think he said. Mm. And he, that was kind of his own choice. He thought it was cool to do that. Yeah. Um, was it your choice to learn piano or was it kind of... Uh, well, I've got an elder sister and a younger brother. And so my sister would have already started. In my head, it's just, you know, it just goes without saying that we're all going to learn piano. And then I started learning clarinet later then when I was maybe like 10. And that was the thing where we were choosing what instruments we yeah. wanted to do then. It was just kind of like, our piano lessons just goes without saying. Yeah. And then you choose an instrument later on. And then I, I didn't start playing guitar till I was like 16. Okay. So you kind of started off playing stuff that was more classical then. Very rather classical. Than going straight into... Very classical. And um, sort of doing jazz with it as well. Mixing those <laughs> two things together is quite... Yeah. Because you can do that with piano and yeah. clarinet. Yeah. They kind of, you can flip flop over the boundaries with those ones. Do you remember the first record you bought? <laughs> it's a toss-up between either an awful compilation album and Hanson. Wicked. I, I can't remember what the album's called, but the one yeah, with Yeah, Middle of on Nowhere. It. Middle of Nowhere. How the hell do I... No, it's because my sister is a big Hanson fan. You that's... know what I love the most about it is because they had a song on it called Madeline. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yes. I don't remember that one. I've actually seen them recently. What, within, live? Yeah, within wow. the last few years. I can't remember how long ago it was, maybe like three years ago. They were fucking amazing. <laughs> I would expect them to be. Well, you think about like how long ago that was yeah. and how young they were. They've had all that time to yeah. just get really great at yeah. playing their instruments. So they were like swapping instruments. Oh, like, right. All having a go on the kit and then like doing like a completely a cappella one around the mic and then they all did like wow. one each on their own and then they did like an acoustic bit in the kinda middle. Kind of like prodigies kind of thing. It was great. Yeah. Um... It was amazing. <laughs> That's cool that they're like... Best I know, guest I, list I, I ever got for anything. <laughs> they were kind of regarded as this cheesy kind of gimmick thing. Hmm. And I remember their music actually being quite good. Yeah. Like, pretty decent. They wrote some songs, yeah. they played instruments and stuff. And like, did interesting things with their music as well. And it was yeah. all their own music. It's pretty know? sort of like happy. Yeah. Happy poppy. But, but you don't... Yeah, they, yeah. Weren't, they weren't really like... Moody teenagers, were they? No. No, I, think, no, no, no. I don't know if they were homeschooled or stuff like that. <laughs> just but... put a photo of them... Next to Nirvana. Yeah. Same hairstyle, but so different. <laughs> My friend Tim has got a shirt that's a picture of Hanson. Yeah. And it says Nirvana underneath. <laughs> it's wicked. That's He's awesome. so proud of that t-shirt. I want one of those. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a, I remember that. How old do you think you would have been when you bought Hanson? That, uh. But it's cool that you bought the album and not a single. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I do remember having some singles, but not very many. Mm. I mean, what is the point of a CD single? It's really annoying, isn't it? Well, now we say that. Back yeah. then, it was like, back in the 90s, it was like, that's how you listen to music, yeah. to me. I've got like a, a vivid memory, I guess it would have been a, maybe a bit later than that, of having a Gabrielle album. And, uh, yeah, but still, that's an album. And playing like, Pokemon yeah. on a Game Boy. And those yeah. two things go together in see my that, head. So yeah. if I hear Gabrielle now, I instantly think Pokemon. And if I see Pokemon, I think And Gabrielle. that's a very specific... Yeah, I did listen to some good stuff as well. It wasn't entirely. Oh no, shit. I know, I know, no, but like, I'm not my first. Because <laughs> mm. record... you've already got all the stuff that your parents have got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Classic dad. But this, Zeppelin, this, this who is your Beatles, first choice, kind of, kind of thing. And yeah, my, yeah. My first... I, listen, I chose to listen to quite a lot of um, jazz stuff as well. That's cool, but like, it's yeah, it's kind of interesting to for you to mm. say that. Uh, I can say when I know when I was 13, 
my two favourite bands were definitely Red Hot Chili Peppers and Smashing Pumpkins because I made my email address out of those, a combination of those I remember things. you saying that recently. I also then uh, got into like 70s glam in a massive way. That's cool. Particularly Queen. That's cool. I love Queen. Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Bowie and T-Rex as well, but it was Queen was the main one that I loved for a long time. I used to go to the Welsh College on a Saturday yeah. for classical nerd school. And <laughs> I always had a gap in the middle of the day where I'd go to HMV yeah. and buy something and come back. So I just acquired, you know, like one thing a week, an album a week. From so there. when was that? Was that in... that would have been when I was like 16. Okay. Yeah. So you come from Cardiff? No, I come from the ah. Valleys. Estramanach is Because I, I did, I, did <laughs> I have always thought like, where is Maddie from? <laughs> where did she come from? Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think you've got a particularly Welsh accent, but it does come out occasionally. Well, you say that, and then if I see anyone that's from England, they're just like, oh my God, you sound so Welsh. It's unbelievable. If I've talked to a Welsh person, they're like, no, you don't no, sound Welsh at all. You've got a slight Welsh accent, but it doesn't yeah. come through. It's like, yeah, people don't think I'm from Wales. It's confusing, isn't it? It's interesting when you hear people sing and you hear their accents when they sing. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because like, uh, when I used to sing, um, I sang with an American accent hmm. because that's who my influences were. Well, I guess the stuff that I do at the moment, like I do sing other people's songs in different um, acts or whatever. Yeah. So that's irrelevant. But then with my own songs, I guess I just sing in my own accent. But yeah. I think I do. I'm not really sure. But I, I was writing songs and singing songs in an American accent. Yeah. Really... I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. And I, I think... mean, it's people who like go full on like country twang. Yeah. But then I can think of bands like, like Block Party who are mm. very British and then... You know, it, it does yeah. it does change up, and I think it does depend on what kind of music you're doing. I don't well. think it's necessarily like you should have to sing in your accent. A lot of people don't like it, though. That would be weird. Yeah. To have to sing in your accent, it is weird think, to like yeah. sing in an American accent if you're not American. But and then if also, you're if you're very, influenced by loads of American music, then like some some vowels and consonants and stuff just sound weird <laughs> if you do them in the British way. Yeah. British. British. I don't say T's. Sorry. British. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> just makes you sound. Like you've lived. You sound less like a Tory. <laughs> so you were listening to like kind of pop music and then got into the kind of glam rock stuff. It was a mixture, yeah. It was always, yeah. It was always like the classic stuff that everybody just has heard. Like yeah. Zeppelin, Beatles, okay. The Who. But that quite early on. Because that was around in my parents' collection. Yeah. And like Fleetwood Mac they loved as well. Yeah. They had a lot of the jazz stuff like Ella Fitzgerald and that kind of thing as well. That's cool. And they would just play that in the house yeah. and you'd pick up. And like it. in the car when we're on holidays. There's a lot of stuff that I... I know I know it because they've played it. So you yeah. listen to it now, like particularly like something like Fleetwood Mac. I listen to it and I just think of like, not like a specific moment being a child because it'd just be kind of like the general vibe of when you were a child because it was just on a lot of the time. Yeah. And it just reminds you of that. And I guess also there'd be all the kind of stuff that I would get into through all the classical stuff I did. So listening to classical music and like being in choirs and orchestras and stuff, you get all that side of it as well. And you, you'd listen to that in your free time rather than it? it Not so much, no. no. I've never really sat around and listened to a lot of classical music because I've always associated it with studying it. Like I mm. did a music degree in you, yeah. a classical-centred one. But when you're it. a teenager, you were you listening to no, it? No, you just hear a lot of it anyway, okay. I guess, when you're, like if you're doing, you know, 12-hour orchestra rehearsal or whatever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit long. It's a bit long when you play the clarinet. You just end up like yeah. Your face just like, well, uh. I I used to play the clarinet as well. And like, <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I I want clarinet behind you there. Is there? I think I've potentially got maybe four clarinets. Not in this room, like the one that I started on. And then I had to get a better one, and then I had to get a pair. 
because you've got to have for like orchestral playing you have to have a pair of clarinets one's in b flat and one's in a uh i was about to say are they different yeah. tuned yeah i hardly ever play the clarinet no. it's an interesting instrument to choose because it's kind of it's in between mozart loved a bit of clarinet I love a bow clarinet. Love a bit of it's clarinet. an underrated instrument. It's, I think I don't know whether like this is what my tiny child mind would have been thinking when I chose it, but it's really flexible. Like the range, the pitch range of it, and the dynamic range, and the like stylistic yeah. range. Yeah. When I learned about jumping in the oct- the octave with the back with the back key. It's not an octave though. That's oh, the pain well, in yeah, the ass, but you yeah. know you know what it. But like jumping up to the next set mm. of notes with the back key, I was Just like, what? blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> you could go higher. And then again. And then again. oh yeah, when I was like again. <laughs> like, so many notes. Oh my gosh. And then yeah. to me, clarinets were the original like hipster, a bit edgy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I God. She's the clarinet man. I was such a hipster when I was a teenager. <laughs> when I, you were a teenager? Well, well, still out. <laughs> I am going to admit that. I could still kind of go, I heard them first. <laughs> Did you see the thing about um, millennials not being able to buy houses because they eat too many These, avocados? Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I'm not quite that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I love an avocado and I am getting a house, so screw you. <laughs> and also, so yeah, so you kind of that glam rock stuff obviously had an impact on you because you went on to now you front a mm. Bowie tribute act. I do, yeah. Which I sadly still haven't seen. We haven't done that many gigs to be honest. Yeah, but I but I was getting a bit overwhelmed by all the Bowie stuff. Yeah, well the reason that band even existed is that a friend of mine when Bowie died wanted to put on a charity cancer fundraiser. Yeah. So we did that in the moon. And he asked me to headline it. He's like, oh, can you just do Bowie stuff? Yeah. I was like, eh. So we ended up putting like a different band lineup together just for that one show. So having like saxophones and Mm -hmm. all this stuff in it. So it was a 10 piece band. And then it went down so well that then we got asked to do some like festival slot and stuff. And then New Year at Chapter. Yeah. We've only done like four gigs. I guess. <laughs> but it's just kind of like we did it that once. Then if people ask us to do it, we're like, yeah, because it's really fun. Yeah, I'm sure it would be. Because like, yeah. we that... properly dress up. Yeah, I've seen the photos. Oh, I'm like, that yeah. seems exciting. And I just like... But yeah, it's yeah. also, we're not we're not pretending to be them. In that a would, I think that's really cool. So that just kind of loosens you up. We're, I, just like, uh, we're just people who like playing Bowie's music. We just play music. the songs. Yeah. And I think and that's, up that's like kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> it's I was about to say, I've got a love-hate relationship with cover bands, but I've got a hate-hate relationship with cover bands. I can't stand them. I see it from two different angles. Like, you can... There's the classic sort of covers band that you'll see in a pub where they're playing, like, Kings of Leon Mm. and Stereophonics and stuff like that, and it's... It doesn't really matter whether or not they're good at what they're playing. It's just... They're just literally making noise, and it's fine. and they're playing... But we've got, obviously, that band, but then we've got, um, like, a funk soul band as well. Yeah. Where we mostly just play weddings and stuff and that's yeah. because as professional musicians we all need a bit of extra income yeah. and, and that's, so that's how like every every player yeah. in that band is like a really high standard yeah and we play the songs really well and it's not just like playing any old song just to please the crowd like we choose proper mm-hmm. like we've done parliament in the past and stuff like that and yeah. that's but yeah it's not the same as original and that's original the kind of that's, that's the cover band i appreciate that's the equivalent of like just you know having an office job to support yourself. Yeah, yeah, but you don't play the kind of typical. Well, you, I no. mean, you can play. The but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hate for covers bands. But I was like, how many originals musicians do you know that can completely support themselves on that and not have anything no. else? I know, no, like, no. Is no. it worse to be in a covers band or have an office job? I'm develop. I've developed my voice a lot by singing in those other things. Yeah, so. and I think I think the the problem I have with covers bands is when they're when they're subpar and when mm. it's their only 
when they don't make create their own music. Yeah, or... I have seen a lot of shit covers bands. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I worked in the yard in Cardiff. For oh my god, you've seen years. them all. So I've seen them all. <laughs> I've done sound for them all. I've had to sit through them all. Yeah, I've, and it ruined music for me. Yeah, it is I awful, couldn't but... couldn't listen to music properly. But there is a difference between having one that's actually got a good. Players. Yeah, and yeah, genuinely, there were a couple of bands. That I was like, I enjoy mm. doing sound for these guys because it's. Yeah. They're and good. also, like, I'm, I'm not, like, directing this at you, but, like, people who, like, hate on covers bands saying they're killing the scene. I was like, well, they're not. The fact is that they're normally playing in bars where the bar is willing to pay them yeah. enough money and then all the punters can come in for free. Whereas with original music, it's difficult because the venue doesn't normally have music no. money to pay them and then we've got to pay on the door and then people don't want to come in. Yeah. Like, it's just a different thing but entirely. to a counterpoint to that is, I wish pubs would book good cover bands. But... For them, a lot of the time, it's it doesn't really matter whether it's good or not. Exactly. It's just having a thing on. Exactly. Like if everyone's just going to be absolutely wasted on a Friday night, like I'm imagining, like some of the covers gigs we used to do up in the valleys, you could be absolutely wasted in a pub on a Friday night. You can either have our seven piece, like good quality soul funk band, yeah, or you can have like a three piece of like teenagers slamming out the song. Do people care? Yeah. No. Probably not. As really. long it's as just, as long as they noises, tell you it? the song. What the yeah. song is and play and it. To be fair, if those if those teenagers are going to play like loads of songs that people want to hear, they'll probably like that more. <laughs> yeah, because they just get drowned out anyway by the people yeah. singing it. Yeah, I mean, I could go on for hours about it because I've got so much experience with cover bands. Yeah, and, um, yeah, but yeah, also uh, along that thread is that you think about things like the Beatles. They were essentially a covers band when they started, and they're like the rock overlords. So you can't can't have it both ways. A lot of people start out playing music by playing other people's songs. I mean, you have to. You, you have, have to, to play other people's to. music first yeah. before you can write anything. And like, unless you're some you sort know, of it, crazy prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't even play this instrument, but I'm going to write a song on it. <laughs> How do yeah. you like that? Um, <laughs> I mean, it it was when I was in the band. It was tempting to to be in a covers band because you get to play someone else's music. You don't have to worry about it, and you mm. get paid. Oh, I'd ne- I'd never do it to the exclusion of anything else. It's literally no. just like. Yeah, as long as you're doing something else. All the, the millions time. of things yeah. you do as a musician to try and earn enough of, of a living. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course. And it's it's completely justifiable. And mm. yeah. Fingers think... in all the pies. It's the same as um, teaching, instrumental teaching. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't choose to do that mm-hmm. as a career. It's obviously not like my dream. But that's essentially. If you're going to have yeah. work on the side, it might as well be to do with music. And yeah. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. That, that's your skills. Yeah. Little it's, kids it's like. To do. Um, I put together this presentation and I was going through all the jobs that you could, could be as a musician mm. and there's so many more or someone who's interested in music. Yeah. Well, I think about that when, I, when I've when um, i met up with like my friends from my course in uni, like, we've all graduated and like the percentage of us that are doing music related things is very small. Yeah. I remember when we were, when it was coming up to graduation, they put up all these posters around the music department being like, look at all the things you can do with a music <laughs> degree. Law. Teaching. I was like, what? <laughs> That's not doing things with your music degree. That's just doing another degree after your music degree and doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, like, there's a yeah. there's a few of us, like myself and like one of my really good friends, has um, carried on as like a composer and stuff afterwards. For the most part, everyone's just had to go into different things. I think if you're interested in music and you want to pursue a career, hmm. you have to do that nowadays. And there's like a sort of well, you have to do that. Like the degree yeah. I did is absolutely pretty much nothing to do with the way that I make my living off music now. No? Like I didn't do it. It was all just like studying opera, writing dissertation. Yeah. Well, kind of, like I did composition, but it was like classical composition. And it was really, you're just kind of like left to your own devices to do it. Nobody's really teaching you like 
how to do it. That's what a lot of you know what I mean. Those Whereas that, I, like, I think yeah. now, like I would probably have chosen to go to somewhere like the ICMP in London, where you do like songwriting and performance and yeah, all that kind of stuff. That would make more sense in relation to what I'm doing now. But yeah, oh, but you can't like you, so much of my background yeah. was classical that I was just like, oh, I'll just go and do that. Yeah, I mean, I nearly did a physics degree instead, but would have ended up in a whole different world. I love physics. Oh. I did I did an astrophysics module when I was in uni. <laughs> I love it. I'm such a geek. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I was doing in uni. This like I ran an open mic with my friend Phil, for which we were paid in wine, so we were always hammered. Amazing. Properly hammered, and then so we would like work out songs to play together. And I'd written a couple like while I was in uni, but I haven't really written that much. And I was shit at the guitar. I'm pretty shit at singing. I reckon. Yeah, and it's, I've uni. only developed those things since coming back from uni, really. But so was that kind of like the basis for you? being interested in starting to make your own music yeah well I, I start like I said I started playing guitar when I was about 16 teaching myself chords and stuff and then I would have written a couple of songs before going to uni not many though and just like working out a few songs on the guitar mm. and then I wrote a couple when I was in uni but not many it's just like a worked hobby. out some covers for the open mic and all that kind of stuff but then when I came back yeah it's weird actually because I, I remember thinking like the further away I get from uni now, you're just like, that's a completely different person then. It's really weird. Like, all the stuff I'm doing now, if that me, like, that, what was that me doing? Just getting drunk all the time. That's what you do in uni. Yeah. And, and... Well, if you get paid in wine, then, yeah, yeah it is what you do. <laughs> so you kind of saw that kind of music as a hobby next to your music. I don't know what I thought I was doing at uni. I don't know what I thought was going to come out of it. So then I came... Yeah. Like, I didn't even know what to go to uni to do originally. That's why I, like, I was thinking about doing maths and physics yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So it was just to get I nearly did acoustic get... engineering yeah. and then I nearly like went to proper music college on the clarinet. And I, I was like, what do I think I'm going to be? Like a clarinetist? No. <laughs> it's not a lot of money being a clarinetist. No. no. So yeah, I just don't think I knew what I was doing then. I don't think I knew what I was doing in uni. And then I came back and I was like, oh, I don't think I really know what I'm doing. But then... My parents, because they're both self-employed, they would like, just go self-employed, just live at home, and you can build up just doing whatever you want, and it'll be fine. You don't have to just get a job. And you decided that would be... So that's what I did, yeah. Like, I went self-employed, like, a few months after graduating from uni, and yeah. I just started building up. I would have started doing some covers gigs around then. I, like, started writing and, like, recorded my first EP, Do it, started doing gigs on my own, started teaching some guitar, that kind of thing. So what year was that? That would have been the end of 2009. I am well old. No, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm just thinking now, because I met you in 2013, so, January 2013. Yeah, I, I lived at my parents for like two years after you, yeah. and okay. then moved to this flat. Okay, and yeah. you were playing gigs in Cardiff? By that point, yeah, I think I started, like, when I came back from uni and like started doing stuff, I just started doing it all pretty much straight away, Yeah, at a certain level, and then just like building it since then. I remember playing The Globe, that was one of the first ones I remember doing, because I was Owen Bowley booked me for that. And then I used to play in Cardiff Arts Institute quite a lot. With okay. Gemma White booking me for that. Are yeah. you too young for these places? I know them. <laughs> no, I'm not that <laughs> looking young. Looking at me funny. Hey, I was promoting when I was 16. Like I, oh, I know those places. Prodigy. I'm not a prodigy. Uh, the Toucan. Sure. I did one in the Toucan before that departed as well. I think. Wow. So that is slightly just. It so, was literally like the only the, one time I've ever the, been there. Yeah, it must have been exactly. Like the, last week the only it was time open. I ever went to the Toucan was to pick up my wristbands for the first scene festival I went to. Yeah, when was that? 2009. It's weird as well because since that's like the sort of amount of time that Goody Who and Full Moon and stuff have been open for. Like when I first moved to Cardiff, I don't think Full Moon was open. Have they had their fifth birthday recently? Mm, yeah, it was yeah. a goch goch. I think that. And then was... Goody Who maybe was just about already open, but only just. 
And then Porters is younger again. Oh, Porters is really young. Yeah. Yeah. Like Porters is within... Four years, maybe? My... Yeah. Three, within my years. 20s, yeah. But that's interesting because I was aware of quite a few acts at the time, but I didn't. don't think I... I think the first time I heard of you was when I was doing Sound For You. Do you remember that gig? When was that? Where was you it? You were supporting Albatross Archive. Uh, uh, yeah, Archive. Archive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I'm sure that's the right name. Um, in four bars. What was that for then? It was just them and you, and it was that was it. And there were oh, about six people there. I can't remember. It was it was when Fizzy started putting on shows. Yeah, because um, obviously both of them were in my band for a bit as well. Yeah, I, I don't specifically it was remember that. Free big really. gig. I can't really remember. Don't remember plugging your guitar straight into the mixing desk. Uh, <laughs> vaguely. <laughs> Because there was some sort of problem. Yeah, it's so called... plugged straight into yeah, a desk. Yeah, it's called yeah. earthing and it was something... And it's always a problem with me because it can't be like any instrument that I've ever played. I think it must be something to do with me. Mm. No, I it, think it I was need just, to be it was just I didn't earth your, I didn't earth your guitar. And yeah. I, but I think I need idiot. to be earthed as a person because loads of things go wrong around me that, that was, is a result of That was my first earthed. professional sound gig. Yes. I remember because it wasn't the lead sort of dangling across yeah, the room. Yeah, and I was the, like... Oh, they're not. They're not going to hire me after this. It's all going wrong. And then Fran at the end was like, "Yeah, that's I'll good." You well, now, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then after that, I think May was when the big gig was on that year. May. Yeah, sort of May June, two thousand and thirteen. Did you say? Yes. Yeah, because I remember coming back. We had to like leg it back from Glastonbury to be there for the final so that would have been what's that end of June yeah it was in the moon it was the yeah. final was in the moon yeah, yeah and I, it was I, all in the moon in fact yeah it was yeah. all in the moon that year it was kind of it had downsized after because that was the year they cut all the event stuff in the council yeah I, I'd lost my job so yeah that was kind of like Oh, Maddie Jones, and then you went off on to record mm. the album with, with Charlie Francis well that was weird because even with the with the big gig I, at that point, was still playing mainly solo. Yeah. And, and I think then, you were playing with, like... I think Dan Nichols yeah. had recommended that I band up yeah. for the thing. And so I did. But it was, like, I think maybe Fitz on mandolin yeah, and Kibble on straight, Cajon yeah. and then somebody on bass. It was, like, a weird... But the fact that you won with that was, <laughs> was pretty amazing. But it's pretty I th- funny. I think but, yeah, the like, was... the, the whole, like, sound has developed... Definitely. ...so much since then. I, I uh, and I remember like seeing you. Well, we seeing can't have your been that good. Band we cannot college. have been that good. No, what it was, it was the songs that were really good. Mm, maybe. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was like those songs that you were playing were really kind of ear catching, and they were yeah. the lyrics were really interesting. And yeah. it didn't matter that it was played on a kind of a ragtag, yeah, bunch put together of... band because it, it, yeah. it, I did kind of get that impression that it was a bit new. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, I'd I think seen I think we just practiced yeah, like yeah. once for that. And it, it's like, it, oh, it kind fine. of, but it still, it still worked. Yeah, we've continued that tradition of not really ever practicing. I mean, it's completely different people now. Fitz is the only one that's sort of been yeah. in it since then. But but I think with musicians like that's the point now like, that I'm getting yeah. to is that I actually want to really get on like properly having rehearsal and having time to develop songs together and stuff. Yeah, because it's always just been so like randomly last minute. That's the credit to the people you play with because yeah they've always been really good players and i think that's that's the difference between between like full-time musicians and like yeah just people that can just because like the more you have more you have to rehearse yeah kind of goes to show but then again like lots of bands rehearse a lot because they want to just get it down i always envy people that rehearse a lot because it's just never seemed to be possible like the sort of most recent thing that we had was that our drummer lives in london and he just got a 
a job there that just basically meant that it just wasn't feasible for him to be in the band anymore. So he's recently been replaced, and now I'm just like, right, yeah. this is it. This is the lineup. This is happening. We're not we're not changing it now. So I, I want to change to a band name now as well. I don't want yeah. to be Maddie Jones anymore. So yeah, so that that's what you told me in Rexham when I was like, that's a cool decision because then that's gonna your music. It's just it's just misleading to be called yeah. Maddie Jones now because I'm not a solo artist. No. And like the, the band has changed a lot. You, I want it to be settled now. I think you were identified kind of at first as kind of like a folk singer songwriter kind of thing. Now you're yeah, people not... say folk. It was never really particularly yeah. folky. It was more like jazz, yeah. gy- gypsy jazz and, kind but of thing. But people couldn't. They yeah. just saw a, a woman with a acoustic guitar. guitar and thought, could, must yeah, be yeah, folk. It's folk. Yeah. yeah, and so and now, like, I think when I really recognised that you were a different kind of thing altogether was when yeah. I saw you playing New Year's like a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, in the full moon, and you did. Yeah. I mean, you were doing kind of your own songs, but you the one that got me was like you played um, "You Ought to Know" by Lance Morissette. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, at the end. okay, this makes sense now. Like, this is yeah. something different. And that's when I was thinking, this is more like a band than yeah. what I kind of thought of you before. It's like, I find it really weird to think back about, like, that can only have been a couple of years ago. 2015? Yeah. I've come on so far since then as well. So when I, when I think back to, like, when I first came back from uni and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, like, it's just a completely different thing. I think you have to adapt very quickly. And even very even quickly. in the last year, it's become... Yeah. You look, you look back on musical history and you look at how bands develop over a yeah. certain amount of years. And like in the 90s, bands wouldn't really change over a certain amount of years. But now, yeah, just stays the same. bands seems to change every six months. And like acts come yeah. out with an album every six months. And you go, didn't Drake just release an album and then he's got another one coming out? Yeah. And it's like, I know that's like a crap example, but that, that's like the mainstream, isn't it? And it's like yeah. people can just develop music yeah, so quickly now. And you yeah. have to. I just think in terms of like my own ability to sing and write and play instruments it seems like much longer ago like I'm, I'm confident now of being like a front woman with a guitar and now incorporating more synth yeah. and stuff like that whereas like for such a long time I was just kind of like you know getting used to even like playing the guitar and singing at the same time you know which is hard yeah yeah <laughs> it, is it, hard. Is, it is hard like there's yeah. certain songs I cannot do at the yeah. same time and I can't drum for I'm gonna try and allow myself to get away from that a bit now as well because I just had this habit of just writing overly complicated guitar parts and then you're concentrating on trying to sing at the same time and you're completely stuck in one place because you're trying to play guitar and sing on the mic and yeah. you can't move around much yeah. if you're playing something really mm. yeah it's yeah it's, that's a that's a tough kind of situation to find yourself in especially like as a yeah. solo solo get to act. a point of complication yeah. and then actually bring it back and become a bit more simple and like i think you've been getting frustrated recently as well you, i mean you said it to me because you you're being booked as a solo act rather mm. than a band and that's why i want to do yeah. the it's basically like a, a rebrand you kind of like, go r.i.p maddie jones this is what it is now yeah we want to do like a death of maddie jones yeah. gig where we like theatrically act out a battle and like somebody kills me and then Amazing. i'm like reborn wow well, <laughs> that's we're the all reborn it, it's like <laughs> Like the, yeah, and it's. Um, I mean, that that sort of gives you an idea of the kind of not that ridiculous, but I want to get more visual aspects yeah, involved. Yeah, that's as cool, well. and I think because people know, that I see who've got visual things going on, it always makes me like, oh, like Islet. Oh my god! What a great band! Wow! I know and you like, saw them in Rexham, didn't you? And, and Did I you saw them see, again the other day as well. From now on, yeah. I saw them at the like club. The biggest Islet fan like, now. Oh they just, <sighs> just their visual. You don't even. Yeah, you so don't great. even have to like be into the music. Because it's difficult to be into their music. I don't know. I th- I find it really easy to be into. Yeah, their music. but I think you know a lot. It of feel like would your average like, yeah, yeah, music listener maybe would yeah. be would find it. Difficult. That's not pretentious of us. That's just because we listen to a lot of music and like. No, yeah, the average person would probably be like, "What's going on?" Yeah, it's wall of noise. Like, I don't understand yeah. it. And then you kind of you pick apart it apart. 
and yeah, and the visual element is just crazy, yeah. and their energy as well. Just yeah, amazing. yeah. I, I think yeah the first I don't know if I was telling you this the other day but at the first time I saw them it was in Barfly kind of Barfly hmm. supporting Los Campesinos God Barfly yeah that's a relic from the past isn't it yeah that's a whole other conversation yeah the I last spent... time I remember going to see anything there was Sponge I think I spent sponge? so many hours <laughs> I have heard of Sponge <laughs> I spent so many hours waiting for bands to come on in mm. Barfly yeah like, I just felt like half my life when I was 16 like it's a Generic craft beer bar now, isn't it? I know. I posted the other Ugh. day. Yeah, I posted yesterday, last night about I don't want Cardiff to turn into a craft beer pulled pork cover band. Cover band. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. actually. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to offend people who like craft beer now. And I, <laughs> but it's just like. Well, to be fair, I think a lot of people do like craft beer. Most people do. I don't because I just don't like beer. But yeah, and like. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong but with liking like it it's just kind of like turning, if everywhere yeah, becomes if a turning craft a music, beer yeah, bunch, turning a music right? venue into a craft beer it's like when Brain started making their own craft beer and you're like why yeah. that's not the point it's like yeah. Yeah. Oh. we um, have some venues as well guys yeah that would be good venues oh, are nice don't punch a hole in the floor of four bars is that what they've done yeah haven't you seen that photo no it's tragic they've put a floor uh, a hole in the middle of the floor upstairs yeah. got seats around it and then four screens. Uh, it's just obscene. Oh my God. It's obscene. But people go, oh, but Dempsey's was a shithole. But it was our shithole. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just ours. like the concept of a sports bar is just so outside what I find enjoyable. I'm just like, And the fact oh. that, oh, there's nowhere, Gareth Bale goes, there's nowhere to watch sports in Cardiff. There's nowhere Isn't to good, there? There's nowhere to get a good burger in Cardiff. Isn't I'm like, there? There definitely is, mate. I've every lived here. every single place has like sports and burgers. That's I've lived like here for twenty five years, and I've been an adult for seven of those years. And yeah. I can tell you, you can see fucking sports anywhere, mate. Yeah. Even in music venues, it's yeah. like God. We had an awful, awful time once. I can't remember what the the sports was, but when they for some sports. reason were showing it upstairs in the moon on a big screen. Oh my god! And then we couldn't set up or sound check or put anything on the stage until it was over. Yeah. And it was when the giant fences were there as well. Oh, you know, the, yeah. The Obama oh, fences. They're, they're coming back soon, you know. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen elements of them. Already. I wish I could leave the leave the city, but I actually have to work that weekend. So yeah, like, that's going to be horrendous. Fuck. I'm going to Pembrokeshire. <laughs> oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> Just go to a festival. I, put, I booked stuff in that weekend. I was like, oh, no, I have to be in Cardiff what for those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I remember we just couldn't even like remotely start setting up the gig until mm. the sports was over. That happened to Bill. And then everything was just crammed in really late yeah. because there was like a DJ meant to be going on afterwards and there were just loads of sports people in there. They were just kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Why is there music? It was like, because it's a music venue. Uh, that's not culture. To me, that's mm. not culture. It's a lot to talk about with us because I think we're both kind of Welsh and we kind of identify with the city quite a lot. What, mm. I, was, what I kind of skipped over earlier, which I would thought would be quite interesting to talk about, is that kind of relationship between the valleys and, and Cardiff. I find that quite interesting, especially at the time you were growing up. Like, yeah. it's a like you're not that much older than me, even though you think no. you are. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be 29 next week. Exactly, I'm 25. That's not that. You were in yeah. high school same time as I was in high school. That's not yeah. a, that marked marked of di- yeah. a difference. Like, I remember feeling like town was a million miles away when I lived where I yeah. lived. And so, for you living in the valleys, it must have been. Well, there's a a train. Yeah. That would be like a 10 minute walk from my house and then half an hour to get to Cardiff. So it's not really that far. But, but we you, would we would only ever 
like growing up, you would come like on a Saturday, like yeah. when you were old enough to be allowed to go, yeah. like just with your friends. I can't remember how old that was, but then yeah, you just go and like loiter. Yeah, exactly. Like go to Blue Banana and buy a McDonald's and just basically do nothing all day. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we did, and that's that's an interesting experience now because I don't think I, when I talk about this history stuff, I go I feel really Daily Mail and go hmm. it's not like it how it used to be because yeah. we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have the internet as much as we do now. No. We're gonna. We're just gonna sound like dinosaurs. Now. I know. I remember, like the. You remember the like the dial-up yeah, sound. Yeah. But it's like. <laughs> and one computer, the household computer, yeah, the and you take it computer. in turns to yeah. go on MSN. Yeah, and like <laughs> I remember a special night where it's my sister's birthday, and my parents would let me go on the internet for four hours because like because <laughs> they felt sorry because they my we'll sister's having a party <laughs> and like I was like kind of moping so they kind of like put me let me go that's so funny uh yeah and it's like and now you just you can literally walk down the street and be on facebook yeah that's that that wasn't the concept for us and people do and they like walk into stuff i yeah. saw someone walking into something earlier they're watching a video as they were walking along oh my god was quite, that's ridiculous it's quite ambitious yeah really. that is ambitious driving we all, as well. we all go on the internet too i mean much. yeah i know Way too much and i had a week the other week where my phone broke was it the best week and it was the best week ever yeah because it's like you're free yeah. and it's like I need to start doing that more yeah it's, it's really hard with to our stop jobs, yourself I think, going on it unless there's actually a reason why you yeah. can't like not having it and especially with self-employed people I think that, yeah you that kind of have to be checking it and um, checking your emails and stuff it's a lot to be said about as well that and being self-employed and and the, the kind of mental strain that comes with that mm. I mean you talk about you, ne- you never shut off from it yeah and you're always I found now I'm always working yeah even when I'm not supposed to be working, I'm working. Yeah. The last time I specifically remember not working was last year, straight after we'd done a festival. We went out to France for like a week and I just read books. Like I get through books when yeah. I decide I'm reading. It's like, come at me. I need to do I'm gonna that. going to devour these books. And so basically it was just like eating nice food, reading. Yeah. I kind of just avoided doing anything work related because I could. I just basically avoided the internet and sort of contact with the things over here i think people need to do that more often i didn't even really like play guitar much or anything yeah and like because that's your job and like with me um when i went to madrid i was still connected to the internet because i wanted to share what i was doing yeah i think that wasn't very healthy for me no you should um maybe just share it all afterwards it is weird like i once went on holiday like right before i was releasing something yeah so I was kind of like really stressing out, making sure everything was good to go like before I left. So I remember that time I was like checking on things when I was abroad and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we like make ourselves believe that we need to like keep checking things more than we do really. Yeah, and like, like you can check the internet like once yeah. a day and that, not and, and that week, anything go horribly wrong. Like, that, that week when my phone was broken, it was because it couldn't I couldn't charge it. So I hastily left like an answer phone message, emailed yeah. all my like people who yeah. might give me work, and at the end of the week I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Because you just you just over, you assume, but it's like that's the kind of that's the problem with that. I think well, also you're saying like edge. not playing the guitar when I was yeah. away. I think that's weird because I think sometimes I forget that like the reason I started playing guitar is just because I wanted to. Yeah. And then sometimes you feel like oh I've got if I play the guitar then I've got to sit and write a song or I've got to like do yeah. something important with it. Whereas I like, actually no I can just sit down and fucking noodle around on the guitar exactly. if I want. And like I did that the other night. I played guitar for fun the other night. Yeah, well, that's what it was, well, it wasn't so much for fun, but the, was it like last Thursday when Chris Cornell died? Mm. I was just playing Black Hole Sun to myself. Yeah. Like I sort of worked it out and was playing it to myself just because I was like, this is very sad. 
But I really enjoyed just sitting there playing that song over and over. I mean, but yeah, I think it is definitely the thing. It's really hard with songwriting because you can just end up not writing anything because you think every time that you sit down, you've got to write something and it's got to be amazing and it's got to work yeah. with everything that you do. It's got to like fit with your style and like all your other songs that you've written. It's got to be like the best song ever and it's got to be something that people are going to love and it's going to get played on the radio. And then you just don't write anything no. because you end up just imploding because it's impossible to do all those things. I mean, Whereas sometimes you just need to write a really shit song just to write something get and get it, out, yeah. get it out of the way. And then you can write like loads of songs. They don't all have to be good. They don't all have to be songs. Like I wrote one yesterday. I don't even know who would play it. It's like acoustic guitar and like two voices like singing in harmony, like cheesy pop. That's not for me. I don't know who that's for. But you could sell that to someone. Somebody else might have yeah. it. There's nothing wrong with me writing it, but yeah. like in the past I would have just stopped as soon as I started being like, going, oh, this, no, no, this, this, this is shit, like... this is shit, just stop, stop. I think when you sit down and you try and do something like that and you don't have an idea and yeah. you're just forcing yourself into making something creative, that's when it kind of hurts to try and, try and be creative. I think you, it's you... important to do it though, like even when like, there's kind of songs that you write that feel like art when you've written them yeah. and then songs that just feel like craft, like I've crafted this work yeah. because I am good at my craft. I don't give a fuck about it. And then there's the ones that are art because they're the ones that like mean loads to you. And you're yeah. just like, oh my God, yeah. And it's also but like... It, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't write the other ones because they're not all yeah. going to be art. And it's also because you need, to, you need to keep that in practice. Yeah. So like if you... have you... to keep your songwriting game Yeah, up. you have to keep that muscle. I can't think of what yeah, I'm trying to say. I'm try, like the metaphor is like to keep that muscle kind of... Yeah. Work out that muscle. Like, yeah. Because otherwise when you do have a great idea and you Definitely. try and songwrite... You try and write yeah. a song that's in your head. You don't have that. I find I find it so much easier when I because I, I do like this mentoring thing, and you just when somebody else has got an issue, yeah, like oh, I find I'm just not writing any songs, and I, I find it so easy to just advise them, just be kind of like you just need just sit down and just try and write as often as you can. Don't yeah. worry if it's shit. Just write it anyway. Try you know like mess around with different tunings, see if something comes out that way. Yeah. Try like starting with a vocal first, see what happens then. And I'm just like. Oh, I wish I was mentoring myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to fix someone else's problems, isn't it? I know, it? right? It's and then, like... like, because for me, the mentoring, like, the other person's problem are very, very, very similar to mine normally. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, right, well, I've just Maybe worked I out... Do that, yeah. I've worked out the solution to my own problem there. <laughs> like, That's why good. was so it so like, hard? It's like you're learning from... there. The student becomes the teacher. Right? Yeah. Like, kind um, of got to be your own teacher, yeah. your own parent, and your own mentor. Because you're not looking outside yourself. Like, nobody is my teacher now, so... yeah. I need to be to, my own teacher. Yeah, I don't want to learn anything. And oh, that was so wise, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's also I I find that from my mistakes, and yeah. I get a lot of criticism for my mistakes. It's kind of like what I'm. It's because everyone hates you, Ed. Yeah, that's why. No, don't. <laughs> like I don't hate. you. I know. Thank you very much. But it's a lot of, a lot of people are critical of me. A lot of people are very critical of everything, and then. You're just like, well, are you perfect in every single thing yeah, that you do? Yeah, but it, it depends you on your state of mind, because if you're having a bad week and people are critical of you, then oh, you do yeah, believe definitely. those things. Um, I mean, yeah, especially doing anything creative, you can just, even if somebody, even if nobody has said anything critical to you, you can still be thinking, everybody hates me, everybody hates my music, they think I'm shit. Mm. And nobody's actually said anything to that. If you have a day where you written a bad song, or if you have a gig which didn't go very well, yeah. It's so easy to go or into that mindset. Or you just feel like just nobody cares. Yeah, you're like, why isn't why is, yeah. like, 
I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, why isn't anyone listening to this this music? Why does nobody love me? I mean, me? there's something going on at the moment that I'm not going to get into, but it's because hopefully it will resolve itself. But we, we are thinking, why is no one picking up on this? And it's mm. like... I think sometimes you can have things that are amazing and then they only get picked up on because the person died or something. Yeah. And it's really sad. Like Nick Drake or something. I suppose he did release a lot when he was alive, yeah. but he's way more famous after having died. Well, and then Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Same. I think I think he was fairly famous. Yeah, he was, he was but, but he also that also way derived more since that was because of the tragic end. No, That's but he was famous, famous when he was alive as well because of his father. Yeah, which he obviously hated. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely hated it. Oh, and we like, had such a Jeff Buckley nerd chat the other day. Exactly, and that's what yeah. I want to do now. <laughs> yes. I think everyone who makes music like you do, who has been inspired by Jeff Buckley, can relate to his situation. In some ways, because often when you are a solo performer, you start out playing in venues where nobody really is listening to you. Yeah, there's nothing really about Jeff Buckley that, what you said, he's very relatable to because he's playing in like a shitty venue. Yeah. Where even on the recordings from it, you can hear that people are like talking. Yeah, and, and you go, can I get some more in the background? And he's clearly just yeah. stood in the corner. Like you've yeah. seen a photo, he's just stood in there's the corner. There's a video of him just like literally crammed in a corner. Yeah. And like. And so like. When you see so many like shiny videos of people playing like amazing venues and all this amazing stuff that people have done, and then like obviously that Live at the Shanae album is amazing, and the people who were lucky enough to have been there, yeah, it must have blown their minds. When the question, what would you do if you had a time machine? My first answer is always go, go to the Shanae, go to the Shanae, <laughs> and see Jeff Buckley mm. perform for because yeah, like it's not to say that that. That gig wouldn't have been utterly amazing, but it's more relatable because it's in like a tiny bar and he's like crammed in the corner. And yet he's making some of the most amazing music I've yeah. ever heard. So that that in itself is what is inspiring. What you said about people ending up being like starting out shiny hmm. is so related to things like the voice and X Factor and Yeah, there's no this kind of commodifying of talent that democracy of talent, maybe. I'm not gonna say who it was, but I saw someone recently they knew who they are. They put a photo of them doing something musical, and someone's like, "Oh, you can audition for The Voice." And it comes, yeah. and I'm just like, it's not the point. A lot of people just seem to think that, it's the only route into yeah, to the music anything. Industry. Yeah, and like, like, for some people, it's perfectly acceptable route, like, perfectly fine, but it's not suitable for most people. Ninety-nine percent that I know. Yeah. <laughs> that is not how creative things happen. I don't think. No, like, there's nothing wrong with using it as a a method of getting some more publicity, even if you're not going on it with the intention to try and win and get a record deal or whatever. Like, I yeah. know plenty of people who've been on it and been on the X Factor and stuff, and it has helped them out yeah. in terms of being able to say, look, I'm that one that you saw on the TV, do you remember? And people are like, oh, yeah! And yeah. so they can instantly, like, like wipe their feet. And, like... Ragsy and, like, Into the Ark. And, and now Lucy Jones, from, like, she she was on The Voice... Did she just do Eurovision? Yeah, she was doing oh. Didn't see Eurovision. Yeah. I oh, know, because you and Rexham. We, we spoke about Eurovision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we did. Because uh, I specifically went home from Wrexham to watch Eurovision, which I'm sure all the bands from, in Focus Wales are going to hate me for. Wow. But it, it is You're very... a terrible human. I know. But um, <laughs> it is very personal to me. It only happens once a year. I missed it last year. I love it, but it is shit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the point. It's great. I just thought, I saw a photo came up, you know, and it shows you like a photo a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Or like nine years ago sometimes when it's been really scary yeah. on Facebook and it's me and some of my friends in her garage. She's got like a big projector and we've just got loads of food and loads of booze and a projector of Eurovision and we're just sat there like, yeah. yeah. 
so Clubby Fach shows Eurovision, and I that, that was my idea when I was working there. I kind right. of got it to um, the Dirty Pop plot, and they're like, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's happened there every year since, because it's like, it's a communal thing, I think, as well. Yeah. It's more enjoyable when you do it with someone else. If you just watch yeah, it on yeah. your own, it's like... you gotta you got to play drink along Eurovision. Do a shot every time there's pyrotechnics. That's what a we shot every here. time someone's dressed head to toe in either silver or white. Every time they do like a 360 camera. Oh, but those are so good. Every time someone looks straight down the lens there's, and like wrinkles yeah, their nose like that. I love, I love that because it's like, <laughs> there's thousands of people in the audience and you're looking in the camera. It's like, yeah. it's really funny. But the thing is, at the same time, for me, when I got to understand music more and understand like the production behind it, I appreciate mm. it even more. Yes, there is shit stuff on Eurovision. Mm. I think I kind of appreciate it in a more in like a stage design sort of way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that goes into yeah. that. Like, I, I can't really remember like any particular good songs apart from that Ukrainian one that we yeah. discussed. But I've got twenty <laughs> to thirty Eurovision songs on my iPod. Have you? Yeah, and I've gotten into music because of they've been on Eurovision, mm. which people balk at, and like people when people find I out. I guess now you do get like proper people going on it don't you but it's not even that it's like i i quite enjoy euro pop yeah because it's got a certain element and it's got the british entries are usually just disappointing yeah of course <laughs> remember scooch yeah i think so i think lucy jones was very the... very similar to gooch strangely <laughs> oh i never i never put that together uh i think lucy jones was one of the better ones i like i said i didn't see it but yeah i saw people talking favorably about her yeah, whereas other ones in the past have been quite bland. The other thing about it, it's with Europop because it's kind of music that's written by non-English speakers. They tend to be quite more, uh, quite quite a lot more blunt. Yeah. And maybe it's maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's the fact that there's no Britishness and there's no Americanness to it. Maybe yeah. it's a different attitude to songwriting, and they could be quite Just doing it their own way. Yeah. Actually, yeah. no. I think it is. I think it is a very European thing because Strome is someone I really enjoy. Mm. I think I kind of introduced you'd throw me because you've your one of your music videos is a little bit similar to something that he did yeah it's not exactly the same because you did it all in one take and that was kind of like wicked and what was amazing. that I, I can't remember what the um, thing is so with burnt to the ground mm. you did the video where you're half and half half and half yeah. and he's got a video where he's done that and oh, it's um it's it's yeah. great but it's it's a different thing but with strome as well like um with that kind of euro sensibility i think yeah. he's a lot more honest in his songs yeah i think you don't get that as much in british or american music because yeah. people are kind of a bit more restricted. i think it's really hard to um not pigeonhole a bit like that though it's hard to round up british and american music into singular styles like you used to be okay able to. yeah like but... still i mean even when people used to say like oh you know like the british sound the american sound is still yeah. like incorporated lots I'm, of different things I'm but not... like now it just incorporates everything i know isn't really, I'm, like, I'm not saying it's the sound, sound as much as as the lyrical content yeah um as far as i can tell pop boys at least it's all just about being in a club and just drinking and yeah. even though we haven't got any money we're gonna drink anyway and it's gonna be great that that seems like every pop song is that that I've heard recently. I can't yeah. think of any specific examples. Yeah, I know, but... I know, I know what you mean, and I think that's because that's what appeals to people. Yeah. Unfortunately, and like that's that's. It's like often... a song for purpose. Like yeah. you put this on in the club. And it's like tonight's gonna be a good yeah. night, and it was like yeah, yeah, but it's it like, is. And despite then... the fact that I've heard this seventy four thousand times, and it's also also a lot of it's about. Um, there's a lot of songs coming out recently, like oh my ex is terrible because. Mm. Often people are going out and drinking and forgetting horrible people that have been in their lives. But it's like, you know, every time Little Mix Shout Out to My Ex comes on, all the girls in the club go, woo! Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, great. 
Um, it is. It's the whole point of pop music, isn't it? Is writing stuff that people relate to, and that's what yeah. confuses me so much about someone like David Bowie, when he just wrote a load of weird shit, and everyone's like, "I relate to this so much." And it's like Ziggy played guitar. Yeah. Jamming well, good thing. with Weird and Gilly. And I was like, yeah. you do not relate to this. The, the, music <laughs> that, like yeah, the music that really strikes a chord with a lot of people is music that can be, it's open to interpretation. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I prefer. And that's what I yeah. feel like I go for with what I write. Never like say something just so explicit that it couldn't be interpreted anyway. Because then, then you take away the person's option to interpret it then, don't you? I, I want quite, people to have the option of yeah, interpreting it and how I they think, want. I think that maybe that's, yeah, that's maybe what I'm driving at. That's what British and American, a lot of popular British and American music does. More and vague. Like, yeah, it's mm. more vague and it's not as specific. Yeah. And it's not as blunt. Um, so in that sense, like very specific kind of lyrical songs tend to come across as more cheesy. So what I'm thinking of yeah. in particular is "You're Beautiful" by James Blunt, yeah. which everyone hates. You're but the thing is, he those verses he's very being incredibly specific. Yeah. So that's what people find. I so can't remember annoying. what the verses. So it's were. like, it? uh, I saw I saw you in the subway. You were with another man, and like it's so uh, like very yeah. kind of situation it's specific. Like, say what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like people will find that quite cheesy. Uh, yeah, but that now, that song's yeah. about how he's really really like high and then it got put on like mum's best yeah. song cd and he's like he's tweeting like yeah that song's about being really really stoned it's he's like, really funny isn't he yeah he is yeah. yeah and he's like he's got a good sense of humor and i'm glad i'm glad he does i mean yeah, yeah so i think that kind of songwriting is really interesting where you kind of have the vagueness about it but mm. then i really appreciate very specific lyrics well there's well. kind of i think there's i kind of see three types where's the one that's just like deliberately obtuse with like like Bowie where he's just like talking about like weird characters and making yeah. words and stuff and you're like we obviously don't really know what he's on about yeah. nobody can really know and then there's the ones where you're you're using normal like relatable language but not being very specific about mm. what you're on about and then the one where you're just being really clear like this is what I'm talking about yeah. like there's a guitar over there yeah there's a glass of squash yeah I mean that would be a shit song yeah but <laughs> but I think I, I think my favourite type of music is when they're very specific about feelings hmm. and they can describe their feelings in a very certain way. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, oh, I don't get that. But when you, when you d- go, oh, I have felt like that before, yeah. that's when it really hits home, I think. Which made me think of um, one of my favourite things is when people describe a hangover in a new way. Yeah. I heard the one the other day that was like, it's like someone's taken out your eyes and put some others back in, but they're the wrong size. <laughs> That's wicked. That's yeah. That's, that's it's a brilliant best, description. The best description of a hangover. I really and I really enjoy like visceral lyrics lately. Um, Just a heads up: this next section contains quite a bit of swearing as we discuss the proper use of swearing in the well, just in songs in general, um, including the the strongest of language. I also misremembered a lyric, a particular lyric, and it's the Exit International one. So I apologise to uh, the guys in Exit International for messing up such a brutal lyric but yeah this is a kind of warning get any sensitive people out of the room right now it's an alad rion lyric which i really like uh which is um in, in a chorus of one of his songs actually yeah hit the fan. and it's it's all over the walls it's all over the yeah. floor and it's it will never go away i think that's and like, it won't ever come out ever i've come heard alad play that song so many but times, yes and so as I have i but i <laughs> I still really enjoy it because, like, it's yeah. so visceral and it's it's a, and because it can he's such a, be, it such can a be, lovely yeah. guy and like the lovely style of music yeah. and then it's just got 
it you can be metaphorical. Shit just being yeah, everywhere. It, you can take it metaphorically, but you That's can also funny. take it literally. And like that image is quite in, yeah. like intense. And I saw him play it in Newport to uninterested passersby, and I was like, "This song's coming. Is he gonna actually say it?" And he, yeah. he didn't say it because obviously he's in a public place. What does he say when he doesn't say it? And it's it's hit the fan, and it's so difficult to kind of. I mean, you still know, sense yourself. You still know what that means. But then it's not. You're not thinking of shit. You're thinking of. Mm. It's not as potent then yeah it's like i think that's a really good case of where swearing is really appropriate in songs yeah because it does change the perspective on things yeah i mean sometimes it's just essential isn't it yeah it is and it's like i mean killing in the name of would not be the same song no exactly (laughs) and it's also you know we were talking about earlier i think the junior bill song tatty laces Mm. and it's so visceral to say all of the fucked and the faithless yeah because fuck i'm trying to think the one i was telling you about the one of mine the, um, remember more the for you. Yeah. Something about like having time for your bullshit or something. Like, yeah. it, just, it just doesn't work if you don't say Yeah, exactly. And the, the way you say it as well is quite... I think it's like... Yeah. That's sh- Like, you're doing it in quite... Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like... It's, it's, it's the kind sound of, of the word it's as the well. Sa- yeah, it's the timbre of the word. And if you cut yeah. that out, it's like doesn't work as well. Yeah, it's, like, it's weird. I found that weird, actually, with them... On a different note, when we were doing the play. So it's obviously like really dark, in-your-face feminist gig theatre. Yeah. And one of the places that we were, there were these older women and they were just talking about how they didn't really like the swearing. And someone said to them, just like, if you're more offended by the swearing in this than the issues that are being raised, yeah. I'm worried for you. Yeah. I mean, like, swearing is just words, isn't it? Yeah, it's what it's like when you can have an incredibly violent mo- movie be a, a 12, but if you say the C word, it, it instantly yeah. is a 15. Say the C word, Ed, go on. No, I don't like saying <laughs> it. I don't like saying it. <laughs> I love it. It's a great word. Yeah, but like, I just don't like saying it because I think there is. You're saving the... it up for when yeah, you really mean yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when I do say it, people. And that's the thing with any swear word. I think I, like, I... they can mean like the word fuck, for instance, yeah. can mean so many different things. But I also think the C word, you can, you never say it in a positive way. I've never mm. said the C word in a positive way. I mean, maybe people, people can, but. I don't know. I, I think I don't. sometimes use it just in the same way. You should be like, oh, stop being a dick to someone. Like, yeah, but like, that's a negative. That's, that's a negative. Isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. still negative. It's, it's just like, using genitalia to yeah. tell someone to stop being a fool. But or it's an like, idiot. I can say that's fucking brilliant, and yeah. I can say that's shit hot. And like, well, all exactly, of these you things. You can say that's like, fucking brilliant, or you can say fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Different. But you can use it, but I think that word in particular is. You mm. know, yeah, but then again, like. It doesn't have enough meaning. I'm, I'm going to put it, the word in context now, so so it's coming, it's coming here. It's um, coming, yeah, it's going um, to drop the sea bomb, there's guys. A, there's an amazing exit international lyric because they are so. I'd, you you saw you caught a bit of them in Wrexham. Yeah, yeah. There's they are an incredibly visceral band, and they're going out of their way to be visceral. Mm. Anyway, there's okay. I forgot what the song's called, but the lyric is all all cunt no mouth, and it's like, <laughs> but it's yeah, exactly. It's like. It's, it's a good image. It's a good image. Yeah. And it's like, and then the next line is tearing the legs off a of spider. And it's like, yeah. you know, those, those Im- that imagery, that's where those words can live. Yeah. And I think when, it's, when swearing is used unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. There's a time and a place yeah, for it. There's a, I'm, I'm really into Nine Inch Nails and it will come up a lot. But there's, um, there was this uh, phrase. I love... <laughs> Is it going to be the one I'm thinking of? No, no, no. But there's, there's, no, there's this phrase that comes uh, up quite often. Um, where it's uh, improper fuck placement. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a certain places where you can put the F word in yeah. that work quite well. But sometimes mm. it's just like, why, why have you put that, that there? there? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Closer. Yeah, exactly. But that's 
that song wouldn't work if you go, I want to... But you, what, I want to make love to you like an animal. Yeah, no. and it's like, doesn't work at all. It's Does like, not the, that visceralness. But the yeah. thing is, when I first heard that song, I was, I hated it. I've just realised that there's, like, the equivalent of what I just said is there's a Bruno Mars song. I think it's called Gorillas. Mm. It's like, you and me, baby, making love like gorillas. It's basically, like, the, it's the, the slightly it's cleaned the up version, clean of version of Closer. closer. <laughs> Fuck you like an animal. Yeah. Make love like a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, yeah. I wonder if he was but, conscious of that. Yeah, possibly. Maybe he was like, I love that closer song. I love that song. Like, I want to make a radio friendly version. I know. I, I, I hate to talk about Nigel Nails too much because it, it's, I just do talk about it too much. Same oh. as like Jeff Buckley. But um, I saw them once. I've seen Pro- them. I think it was probably Reading. One of the one of the Reading times. They all kind of blend into. I've one. seen them five times. Five times. Amazing. Since 2012. Once a year. Yeah. Got to have your yearly and nine inch nails. Tours. Have you ever seen them in Cardiff? Yeah. Where did they play? Uh, Motor Point. Nice. Or sounded, the CIA. Sounds really bad. It. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have to call it the Motor Point for people who don't live in Cardiff because they... Otherwise, yeah. they're like, what you want about? What? <laughs> that is a good example and like of a, of a proper fuck placement. <laughs> uh, excellent fuck placement. Excellent fuck placement. And you can't... Oh, fuck placement. Band name. <laughs> is that bad fuck placement, though? Fuck placement. To put fuck in your band name? Yeah. Like fuck, fuck buttons. Fuck buttons. Fucked up. So I'm going to wind it up now because we're approaching one hour and 45 minutes, which is quite a long time. I yeah, to go down a more. long um, Yeah, so Many my waffles. last two questions are about records again. Um, so what's a song or an album you've either got come out recently or you've heard recently that you really like? Can I look at what I've been listening to? Yeah. To give me ideas. It's kind of, it's kind of what... Oh, the phone's on 3%, guys. It might, oh dear. It might all go wrong. Um, I like to catch people off guard with these questions because then you, I think you get a more real answer. I just can't remember. Like yeah. If you look at the last things I've been listening to, I listened to some instrumental hip hop. I listened to lots of Audio Slave and Soundgarden. Yeah, I, but I think it's something that's kind of like been not stuck in your head, but like you've you've really enjoyed yeah, listening to I'm recently, to and possibly something you've been listening to over and over again. Just treat myself a, an idea. I think yeah. I, I Gold Frap. I've sort of discovered a little bit recently. Maybe then. I I mean I'd suggest one that would be hmm. Black Hole Sun if you that was one that kind of came up recently. That's one that's gone round and round in my head. I yeah. be, I had that same thing. Like I went to see Jordan Brooks last night. Hmm. Do you know him, the comedian? I saw photos. <laughs> he is great. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about like when you get one particular song and you're just like I just want to listen to this song yeah. on a loop until I die. Yeah. And I've had a few songs like that, like a Nina Simone one, Sugar in My Bowl. Mm. I remember that being maybe like a year ago. Yeah, but I'm. Thinking... And then I had a Queens of the Stone Age one. I can't remember which song it was now. They do, yeah. There is certain songs that get. You literally just like yeah. it, it ends, and you just put it straight back on again. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm gonna put it straight back on so, again because yeah. I just want to listen to it over. and Going over. back to my incredible pop sensibilities, the new Selena Gomez song, which samples Talking Heads, in mm. fact, Psycho Killer, I just have had on repeat because it's it's very unsettling yeah in a way that's quite interesting for a modern pop song to be if you can't really think of one that's fine but like well, i guess black, black hole song sun but yeah. i've always known that and it's yeah just, yeah but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be because it's in the last basically in the last week what's been the song that's been really kind of with in the last the week, week what's yeah. been in my head uh that one and also rufus wainwright called going to a town just because i decided to try and play it on the mm. piano okay because i've always found playing the piano and singing at the same time really hard so I thought oh, I'm gonna try and plan. I'm gonna try yeah. and play a Rufus Wainwright song. Um, and then the second question is, what is your all-time favorite record? 
Oh, I can't answer. I can't answer questions like that. But I'm, the, I'm the biggest phase. <laughs> the, I'm just gonna ask you anyway. <laughs> the biggest phases that I've had with like a particular artist, at least, was when I was a teenager. It was Queen, mm. and then more recently, I had like an obsessive phase with Queens of the Stone Age. Not like particularly one album, but it mm. probably would have been like Songs for the Deaf or yeah. Lullabies to Paralyze. That'd be like the more recent thing. I but love. You... I love. Dig- um, is it called Digital Witness or is it called Saint Vincent? Saint Vincent's most recent album. Yeah. I love that. But, it's but I, I could never just pick like, one. Pick one, yeah, it's too hard. Fine. It's like picking a favorite pet or a favorite child or something. And that's more like if you're picking your own favorite song of something you've written. But there. it would change over time. Like you could ask okay. me today, and then it would be a different thing in a week's it, time. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fair. Then that's you know? that's that's kind of that's a good answer. That's an interesting answer because mm-hmm. for me, I'm very methodical about. And I I, I don't really tend to listen to albums like on a loop like I would have done before okay. because. You don't get the album. Well, I don't get the album on a CD anymore yeah. because I don't even have okay. the means of playing a CD. So I'd be far more likely to listen to a playlist of the entire back catalogue of an artist, okay, rather than just one yeah. album. Do and you know I think, what I mean? yeah, I think that's that. Maybe that's why this question is getting harder for people to answer because yeah. they don't have. Yeah, like I was about to say, I'm very methodical in. I know what my favorite film is. I know what my favorite album is. I know who mm. my favorite singer is. I know who my favorite band is. Oh no, you I could. No, if, if you wanted rapper. like proper. Back up on this, you could just ask Fitz, who's in the next room. Like he always tries to get me to say my favorite of something, and I just never can. Yeah, I mean, I no, I, I have, I have, met like, people. never. I I've, can't have I've a favorite people. film or favorite no. director. I haven't got a favorite band. But I, like... I can name my top ten favorite albums, hmm. and it's you know, I think people have got different ways of thinking. But I don't think I think in that way. Yeah, that's another thing that I, in my head, is probably just bullshit. But I attribute that to being slightly male as well, like wanting to have the list. <laughs> Just because of the men that I know, they are all like full on into lists. And like they would love to have their list of like the top ten of everything. Yeah. And then most of the women I know are just kind of like, no, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe I just know lots of scatty women and lots of really organised men. And I'm going to ask, but like at the same time, you don't have to. Do you feel like doing a song? Or I can do. I'm just sort of looking around. In here? Yeah, that's fine. There's an amp there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a disgusting background. It's fine. Just full of junk. I think it's more interesting anyway that way. Well, you decide what you think is the best. I think I like. I said I like being in people's inner sanctums, and it it doesn't matter what it looks like because then it gives. Yeah. You're going to be like, no, don't give it as representation of who I am, but like, it's cool. I know. I'm I'm definitely messy, and I have loads of music junk. That's definitely right. So I think that kind of it's more interesting than cleaning something up and then having a kind of blank background because then you can kind of. Yeah. See what's that's true. more interesting. Anyway, right. Let's so see what a mess I really am. Let's do that now then. Let's do that. So yeah, that was a great podcast with Maddie. I really enjoyed hearing what she had to say and memory fails me now. Uh, I'm recording these little interludes the day of quite a lot of work that I've been doing uh, in corporate sound, kind of like my least favourite job of the jobs I have. And I'm pre-wrecked and it's pretty hot and it's not fun, but Less complaining, more music. This is I Don't Give a Damn by Maddie Jones. Everybody's got a prize, including everybody who's scrutinizing.
Maddie Jones with I Don't Give a Damn. Thanks again to Maddie for letting me record with her in, in her humble little flat that is now no longer her humble little flat. She's just in the process of moving, so good luck to her with that. You can get her record online now via Bandcamp and all good music stores. Um, it's called Disarray and it includes that track as well as Burns the Crowd and uh, two others. I'm just looking for some tour dates off Maddie. I do know for a fact that her David Bowie kind of tribute act, which is kind of made up of a lot of people in, in Cardiff, uh, some great musicians and that, is happening on the 14th of July in the Moon Club in Cardiff. And I hope to see you there because it sounds like something I really want to be a part of. But besides that, I think you can catch her at the Big Cheese in Caerphilly. Uh, I think that's around August. And then obviously at Hub Festival as well, which is kind of Cardiff's answer to, well, Cardiff's answer to some incredible live music. So uh, you should go and check that out. That's in the last, well, last weekend of August. My next podcast is with Dean Ransom, otherwise known as Ransom, otherwise known as, I don't know. He is a DJ from Cardiff, a drum-based DJ, and uh, won the uh, best DJ category in Cardiff East Scores uh, this year. And we talked quite a lot about the process of DJing and, and how it kind of connects to different things and how it works. And I learned a hell of a lot and I hope you uh, give it a listen and kind of open your mind a little bit about DJing or if you already know all that stuff then it's just interesting to hear someone else's perspective perspective I'm very tired let's uh, let's wind this up and I'll see you next week thanks
Oh, just as an additional note, it's nice to see you at the very end of the podcast. Um, if you are subscribed via iTunes, you can rate this podcast. I know I would have asked earlier, but it's kind of like, just wanted to settle into it before I kind of heard people's opinions. But if you do like what you're listening to, please give it a rate on uh, iTunes store where you kind of find the podcast in the first place or wherever you've kind of got it. But if you can do that, that'll be brilliant because it can kind of boost uh, the podcast and hopefully uh, expand the kind of range of people I talk to, which is kind of like the goal of this. Um, not that card people aren't lovely to talk to, um, but, you know, onwards and upwards. Uh, thanks again, and I'll see you next week.